The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I love what you said about um, the the intention is not to get then addicted to AA mm-hmm. and have that be the thing. Same thing with plant medicine or anything, really. Because from my perspective, we're we have come into incarnation, into physical form to evolve in this lifetime, to grow, to attract whatever our spiritual curriculum is into our life in order to serve as catalysts for our our evolution and for our growth. And so if we become either attached to, dependent, fixed on, or, or stagnating in anything, that can become its own catalyst. Like what I, what I just heard you say is noticing in AA that it was like, wow, like, I'm, I'm noticing this. This isn't actually. People are kind of staying in the same, the sameness of mm-hmm. it, and it really is a. Fa- from my own personal experience, it was very effective for that first, for me personally, that first wave. That was a quick clip from this week's episode. I just wanted to say hi, fam. I'm just going to do a quick intro for you guys today. I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this episode. A few weeks ago, I don't know when this is going to come out, but we had Angelica, a.k.a. Angel, on the podcast, and you guys loved that episode. Um, It's titled Turning Your Karma into Your Dharma, if you want to go back and listen. And we cover all things spirituality, and now I'm having her friend Zahara on the podcast today to dive even deeper into alternative healing and spiritual practices, which included a very lengthy conversation around plant medicine. So this is a great one. Um, I'm loving all of the reviews that you guys are leaving on the podcast, and I'm so grateful every single time you do it. But I just wanted to read a couple real quick. Um, and just share my thanks and gratitude. Um, So here's what the RFR fam is saying. This podcast is so inspirational and intelligent, Alexis. Please do not stop adding your personal healing journey details as it makes you real and helps me understand coming from a childhood of trauma and addiction and struggle. uh, I still struggle today after domestic violence and... There's no other podcast out there that is dealing with this in the way that you do. Another one says, Alexis is honest, open, and funny about recovering from substance abuse. Hearing from her six-plus years of experience with day-to-day battle of alcoholism gives me experience, strength, and hope. As I have 595 days of sobriety today, congratulations. She's inspiring and relatable. Since I have a sister too, we both grew up and I live in the greater Los Angeles area. So it's super cool to be able to identify with similar situations um, that we've been through and learn about the differences as well. So thank you guys for 
communicating with me and building this community. I mean, I can't believe we started the podcast a year ago. Here we are at our one year mark. We're over 50 episodes in. We uh, have 13,000 plus almost 14,000 of you guys following along on Instagram and Uh, We're building our Facebook community as well in our cool new group that I just created in December uh, called Recovering From Reality Too. So if you want to find us on there, you can. And with that, here is this week's episode. I hope you love it. We're sitting here with... This is a funny story because I reached out to Megan, (laughs) who's no longer Megan. (laughs) Uh, many, many months ago. Mm-hmm. And was it you or me that was like, I can't only, I have to wait until January or I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being perfect because I saw you on another podcast and I was like, I want to talk about this. And then when you came in here and we started talking, I was like, oh no, there's so much more mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're sitting down with Zahara Mm-hmm. <laughs> now known as Zahara, which I'm feeling that. Yeah. I like it. And I can't Thank wait you. to hear about how you got to that place. But you're in recovery. And I think the best place, I always like starting from the beginning, mm. just giving people kind of mm-hmm. a really big picture and then diving into what your individual recovery looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, don't even resonate with that term. I know, me neither. Uh, but there's no better word. Or do you have a better word? I'm, I, I do. I'm, I'm living. Yeah. I, I came from, I mean, my background, I, I was the executive marketing director for two of the biggest sports agencies in the country and had a very mainstream successful life and went through a dark night of the soul and letting go of those, that career, really recognizing mm-hmm. that I had, was sourcing the, my entire self-worth from that title. From things, yeah. Mm-hmm. And my um, fulfillment was was coming from um, what I had been conditioned to believe are are the things that bring you joy and happiness, money, success, um, you know, respect, all of these things on the professional front. And the truth was uh, that is not the actual heart of where I source my fulfillment from uh, as a being. For yeah. me, it's about deep connection, love, intimacy, the, the deeper reservoir of, you know, self-respect and self-love that then gets to be mirrored by the people in your life. But I had created a construct of a life that reflected essentially what I had been trained to believe success looked like. And so I had to go through a major dark night of the soul and letting go of that career. And part of that for me, in order to sustain that, I started becoming dependent on prescription medications. So I went to, you know, Western medical doctors and, you know, the story was I can't sleep. I, you know, I'm not happy. I'm depressed. And and I couldn't see why in that framework because I was successful. I was supposed to be happy. I had this great career, all of it. And so the doctors are like, well, there's a pill for that. So I became dependent on prescriptions. I couldn't wake up without taking a pill. couldn't fall asleep without taking a pill. And it was my journey after many, many years in in that uh, uh, sourcing my life force energy from pills, essentially to hold the framework of a life together that wasn't even 
making me happy, um, but I was generating my sense of worth from letting all of that go and recognizing I'm not going to get off these prescriptions on my own that led me into the recovery community, right? So yeah. I went to treatment. I went down to Newport Beach and got help. I was still working full-time. My my um, bosses were actually amazing. They, they paid me to go on medical leave for a month to go into treatment, and I got off all the prescriptions. And what I realized when I got off all the prescriptions was that Wow, I cannot go back. I can't go back to that to the that job, to that, the that world, that identity yeah. structure that I had created that did not actually reflect who I was. So I had to let go completely into the unknown and yeah. to rebuilding myself and reworking myself and rediscovering the essence of who I am and creating my life from there. And so my that first phase for me, I I would I would have said then, oh, I'm in recovery because I was being very mindful about, you know, not leaning on anything outside of myself, prescriptions or otherwise, in order to source my sense of happiness, vitality, joy, or to um, numb any emotional pain or, you know, escape from anything, right? So there was a period of time that I did operate within like the conventional framework of the recovery community. And I got to a point where, um, very quickly, actually, the the entire like the personal development world came into my field, the um, metaphysical world, the spiritual exploration, the exploration of consciousness. I became an evolutionary astrologer. I started meditating, yoga, EMDR. I got into a spiritual psychology two year program at University of Santa Monica. I just really went headfirst into the exploration of consciousness and developing my um, my own framework of reality and really owning myself as the creator of all of it. And I think somewhere along the way, I grew out of my experience of the recovery community in that way serving me. And so I... um, I started to work with uh, plant medicine. That was actually a big part of my journey. And I had to, um, I had to reconcile the relationship with plant medicine as a, as a substance, as a medicine, and come to my own conclusion around, okay, this is not me um, numbing anything. In fact, it's exactly the opposite was my experience in working with plant teachers. I went down to Colombia and worked with Yahe and Ayahuasca and these these plant teachers became a huge part of my transformational journey and receiving more of myself accessing areas of my being and consciousness that I hadn't accessed um, prior to that and really supporting me in creating new reference points of possibility that I have devoted myself to um, claiming and and expressing in my life without any medicine. So the, the aim is to operate in your fullest capacity as your most expressed, liberated self while looking completely transparently with radical self-honesty at the depths of every layer of yourself in order to live and create your most vibrant, fulfilled life. You know, and so the plant medicine helped me open the door fully to that. So now I'm seeing that manifest fully in my life with or without the medicine. There's there's nothing that I require outside of me in order to express the fullness of who I am and receive the life that I'm creating. I, I own myself completely as the creator of everything, including things that come into my field that are painful 
because sure as hell that still happens. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Kapari. Did you know that your skin is actually an organ that absorbs what you put on it, which is why I've always been so crazy about the products that I'm using in my day-to-day routine. You've probably heard of Kapari's organic, vegan, premium-grade coconut oil products, and it's with that same attention to ingredients that makes their new line with CBD the one to trust. Kapari's products use only full-spectrum CBD, the whole plant powder, combined with their famous coconut oil for maximum absorption and ultimate nourishment. Kapari is as dedicated to sustainable and quality sourcing with their CBD plants as they are with their coconuts. My favorite product is the deodorant. I have been using natural deodorant before natural deodorant was a thing. And while I'm happy to see Tom's in my aisle of CVS, that just does not cut it for me. Kapari CBD deodorant can help soothe inflammation and has the freshest herbaceous lavender scent that makes you smell, you know, like you just got out of an amazing shower at the spa. Remember, it's CBD, not THC. Their coconut CBD products won't get you high, just soothe you and calm you down with some of nature's biggest power players paired to perfection. So if you've been wanting to see what all the CBD hype is about, let this be the nudge you need. You can get 15% off all CBD products right now when you go to kaparibeauty.com forward slash reality. That's K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash reality for 15% off your order. Kaparibeauty.com slash reality. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, the largest online career resource built inclusively for women. I also have the privilege of hosting our new podcast, The Females. We're here to help with real talk career advice from CEOs, authors, creatives, and other experts to give you real strategies for building a successful career all on your own terms. Each episode of The Females is sure to not only inspire, but also to motivate you to take action and move your career forward. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes and follow along on careercontessa.com. A lot of people ask me, um, like, how are you doing recovery without AA? Right. And um, my journey is is pretty similar. I'm, I mean, I'm really grateful for AA and, and mm-hmm. the 12 steps, very similar in a lot of ways to um, Buddhism, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming to terms and analyzing our suffering, mm-hmm. not trying to change it or shift it, mm-hmm. but to acknowledge that it's there, looking mm-hmm. at our fears. Mm-hmm. Um, in Buddhism, I, it's dukkha, the dark, yucky stuff mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't want to uh, live with, but you have to learn to live with. And then living in steps 10, 11, and 12, which is prayer, meditation, and service. And so when I got sober, I had this amazing sponsor who was this um, really badass, like, hippie chick who lived in Topanga. She got, like, 20 years. She was a heroin addict just like me. Mm -hmm. And she was such a badass. And she would nail into me the importance of a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And for the first couple of years, I was like, yeah, okay. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I think I was turned off from it because mm-hmm. 
I grew up in a household where there were life-size Buddhas and sage mm-hmm. was burned nearly daily and incense mm-hmm. was used on the regular and I'd mm-hmm. run away to ashrams and all of these things. And um, what, I've, what I found um, as a child is that sometimes that there's sick people everywhere, but um, in those communities, sometimes there's a lot of really sick people who are pretending to be really spiritual. And there was a number of things that happened that were really just not great, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. felt really unsafe to me as a, as a kid. And mm-hmm. so I think I, when I got sober, I kind of wanted to reject mm-hmm. that part. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, I'm just going to, stay in AA forever. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to five meetings a week and I was doing this, but my sponsor kept saying, you're missing mm-hmm. the point. The point isn't to become addicted to AA. Yeah. The point is to learn how to live with yourself mm-hmm. in your own reality. Yeah, exactly. So here we are recovering from reality, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. we, I began to dive or put my toe into spiritual practice mm-hmm. again um, a number of years ago. And then uh, last, or 2018, so two years ago now, my soul was like rocket launched mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, back into this work and was like, no, these are the truths. You are not this body. You mm-hmm. are something so much bigger, so much more powerful, so beautiful. And you need to connect with that part of yourself mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. Um because it is possible to like live in this human experience, but to be also living in the spiritual experience. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Diving back into that. So I did leave Alcoholics Anonymous about four years ago. I stopped Mm -hmm. going to meetings because what I found was that I was leaving meetings feeling more anxious than I Mm -hmm. was going in. And I was like, these people aren't evolving Mm -hmm. to where I Mm -hmm. need, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, it's like, this is not. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you said about, um, the the intention is not to get then addicted to AA mm-hmm. and have that be the thing. Same thing with plant medicine or anything really, because from my perspective, we're we have come into incarnation, into physical form to evolve in this lifetime, to grow, to attract whatever our spiritual curriculum is into our life in order to serve as catalysts for our our evolution and for our growth. And so if we become either attached to, dependent, fixed on, or, or stagnating in anything, that can become its own catalyst. Like what I, what I just heard you say is noticing in AA that it was like, wow, like, I'm I'm noticing this this isn't actually people are kind of staying in the same the sameness of mm-hmm. it and it really is a fa- from my my pers- my own personal experience it was very effective for that first for me personally that first wave that first transition of letting go of the agency career letting go of my old life letting go of the prescriptions letting go of everything and being in that space of the unknown when everything's coming up and it provides up. community yeah exactly right so You're not that's alone. another thing that I was going to say when you were sharing your story is like Johan Hari's latest book Lost Connections just talks about how we're all meant to operate in tribes yes 
right? And so it was like AA kind of became like my first little tribe. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm here for this. A hundred percent. This is great. A hundred percent. And then what, what can, what can happen is your, your spirit, if you're on the path, like you said, you had some resistance to the spiritual exploration. And to me, anything can be spiritual exploration. It looks, it looks different for everyone. But as you evolve, you then become a match for your most natural native like tribe. Like who are, who are the people that are the most aligned for your spirit when you're not dependent on your drug of choice or any substance or what AA did for me, it helped me anchor myself into the new wave of who I was choosing to be. And then when I realized, oh, okay, like this is who I am, I started to attract people into my life that that were on a similar trajectory naturally than that I was. And they became mirrors and catalysts for me to continue to grow in ways that I was not actually growing anymore in AA. Yeah. And so then I be, started to be more attracted into these other circles and spheres that then became what AA was for me yeah. in in the next wave. And that's what tribe is. And I'm still living in those steps. Mm-hmm. Like I said, totally. 10, 11, and 12, like prayer, meditation. Mm-hmm. Like they say that's, sure. that's the solution to long-term mm-hmm. recovery is 10, 11, and 12. Every it's day. like, that's what I'm doing, yeah, you know? And then looking at myself, my fears, even just recently, I was like, oh, okay, so I got through a little bit of work. Now it's time to coast for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, these feelings of worthiness started to pop up for me and I'm going, oh, wait, there's mm-hmm. work there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's the beauty. And the, it's not that it's a blessing and a curse because mm-hmm. our pain has a purpose and mm-hmm. it's here to teach us something. Um, and I do want to dive deeper into the plant medicine thing. And I'll start by saying this. I don't believe plant medicine is for everybody. Mm-hmm. I do believe that that it might be that it is for some people. I know that it's for some people. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that you can have the same deep, profound takeaways with or without medicine. I agree. But for some people, you might need it. Whether it is ancestral, mm-hmm. which I believe that especially like in my lineage, there might be so much that just needs to just finally fucking come through. And I've been on the fence. I'm not there yet where mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do ayahuasca right now. And this mm-hmm. last year I've been working on healing my autonomic nervous system and I'm not going to go through a fucking bomb in it right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I've had a number of people close to me that have taken this journey, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like generationally there is some stuff like I Mm -hmm. came here specifically to like heal this. And Mm -hmm. so everyone can go move forward. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And even when I say that, I feel a yes. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. guides are going, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, Okay. uh Okay. uh (laughs) Yes. And I'm doing that. I'm doing that in my parenting. I'm doing that in my relationship with my family members Mm -hmm. with the work that I'm doing here right now without plant medicine. But I do believe that for some people going and having a full immersive experience can provide you. I mean, I will, I'll leave this guy's name out, but there was a guy that I knew uh, since the, basically my first day in sobriety, like straight out of jail into rehab. And he was there and he, uh, he was this bodybuilder, like really like intense guy. And 
he'd get a couple years and then he'd fall off. Mm-hmm. Then he'd get a couple years and then he'd fall off. And my husband ran into him at a um, Whole Foods and maybe five months ago. And he didn't even recognize him. He was like, dude, who are you? And he goes, yeah, man. I mean, I've been living in the jungle, like yeah. doing ayahuasca. And my entire life has changed. My husband's like, mm-hmm. his energy is different. His, mm-hmm. like, Everything about him is different. Totally. And he's a different... And so for some people, specifically, I think a lot about the young people who have been to rehab. I'm thinking of a few cases specifically with us. They'd been to six rehabs before they came to us. And maybe they'd gotten a little bit of time because of Mm -hmm. the way that we treat people Mm -hmm. more holistically and diving in and getting connected and all that stuff that we do at our facility. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, maybe they get a little bit more time and then they go out and they they OD and they OD and they OD. And it's like that type of person is someone who needs like a profound another intervention shift yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like there's no time. Mm-hmm. There's no more, you know, attempts at rehab. Mm-hmm. It's like you need to be catapulted, which from my understanding, that's kind of what ayahuasca does into that work. Mm-hmm. As a busy mom with two kids, I cannot tell you what an amazing resource Daily Harvest has been for our family. I am always in a rush, it seems, and the most important part of the day is breakfast, right? And so it's really important to me as a mom to make sure that my kids and myself and my husband are eating healthy and nutritious foods before we get out the door in the morning. Daily Harvest is something that you can enjoy year-round as a quick solution to getting the fruits and vegetables that we require every day. Daily Harvest works directly with farmers to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and freezes them within 24 hours to lock in those nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. Choose from more than 65 different options. My personal favorite is the smoothies. My kids love them too, but they also have hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats. Each recipe only takes one step to prepare with room to make them your own. Add your favorite milk. For us, it's almond milk. To blend up a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl and top it with an avocado or a fried egg. Whether you're at home, at your desk, or on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. Right now, you can go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code REALITY to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code REALITY for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Again, that's dailyharvest.com. My experiences with ayahuasca or grandmother medicine have been absolutely profound, and I I stand as an ally for the medicines, and I also... um, agree with you that it's not for everyone. Um, There's not enough medicine on the planet for For everyone. everyone. (laughs) Those who do work with the medicine get to embody the frequency of the medicine and be the medicine in in terms of who we choose to be in the world. You, everyone can find their own form of that. What Mm -hmm. is your medicine? Your medicine could be doing yoga every morning and making a commitment to that. Your medicine could be doing an act of kindness for everyone every day, including yourself. Your medicine 
medicine can be just saying a prayer in the morning. Your medicine can be setting an intention to be present in every moment with each person who you're with. You know, it's, it's, there is deep medicine in, in each one of us. And what I've experienced with the plant medicine, the plant teachers, is that they can open up a doorway for a quantum leap that may not have been accessible up until that point for certain people. And so in the cases that you're referencing, I would agree that it could be a very profound, powerful, cathartic, life-changing experience for people who have been essentially hitting their head up against the wall, yeah. trying the same thing over and over again. That to, then to go. initiates them uh-huh. into like, oh, okay, this exists exists. This space exists. And I need to consciously work every day towards Mm -hmm. living in this way. Yeah. The medicine, what it it can do is create a new reference point. So it can open up your awareness while you're in the medicine and what the medicine does it's ironic it's 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 ironic because from a recovery standpoint the the perspective can be oh this is taking a substance which is uh, could be considered a relapse but yeah but you don't want it this is not your substance of choice exactly you guys. right exactly this is <laughs> i was sharing there's a friend or a very close person in my life that mm-hmm. after well over 10 years of sobriety, decided mm-hmm. to do the mm-hmm. ayahuasca mm-hmm. Uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And his first thought as he began to experience the scanning mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. warmth and here we go mm-hmm. into this other dimension mm-hmm. that's here all the time mm-hmm. from what they mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Um, their first thought was like, is this a relapse? And the, the, the guide mm-hmm. said, Oh, ha, 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 as if it, it's that simple. Yeah, it's it's doing <laughs> the medicine is a, a sub taking a substance in a in a in terms of like as if it were a relapse would be taking a substance to numb or escape to from something. Mm-hmm. The going into ayahuasca or these plant medicines with intention in this way is actually doing the opposite. It's giving you deeper access to to all the levels of your consciousness, all the levels of your wounding and what you're carrying and and the medicine. The first time I sat with Aya, a good friend of mine who had been working with the medicine for a while, he said, you know, the medicine is going to give you everything that you need and nothing more than you're ready for. There's an intelligence in the plant. It's a it's a consciousness. You're merging your consciousness with the consciousness of the plant teacher, of grandmother medicine, of, of ayahuasca. And, and you get to experience a new reference point of possibility. And there's no way to predict what the journey will be like. It will be exactly what you need and nothing more than you're ready for. And so that what you're ready for might be way more than you think you're ready for. It can be quite intense experience, but it will be exactly what you need. And so the medicine, that reference point that it gives you is very powerful. And then it's your work after that to show up embodied in the lessons that come forward in the medicine. It's your work to stand as the you that that is a match for the reality that you want to create and who you know yourself to be and who you found yourself to be at your essence in the journey, in the medicine journey. The real work is coming back into your life and being an embodied expression of the medicine. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the work. That's the work. And that's where people, you know, there. I do see some overuse of plant medicine. And I think that's something to be very careful of and mindful of because you can go into the medicine and experience an altered state where you're experiencing unity and oneness and love and, and you can start to experience a, a crutch, like that that's the reference point that you have to go into the medicine in order to experience that. That's why it's important to integrate 
your experience, if you do choose to work with any of the master plant teachers to go in with clear intention, deep reverence, respect for this for the medicine because you'll, you'll definitely get respect for the medicine if you don't go in with it it's it's mm-hmm. bigger than way bigger than we are and coming out with the devotion to integrate what comes through in the ceremony in your real life and that's the real work because we can experience a quantum shift like mm-hmm. you know our, on the level of our consciousness our spirit spirit moves very fast right so like uh, if you imagine having a new awareness or a breakthrough right so it's like oh wow one moment you're you ha- are experiencing a block and then you're working with a coach or a guide or you sit in ceremony and you have a breakthrough bam now you have a new level of awareness and there's an expansion that took place on the level of your consciousness or spirit but your physical reality the the 3D is still reflecting to you the you that you were before the breakthrough so our external reality is a reflection of our internal reality yeah right and so the 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 external reality that which is in form that which is solid matter moves more slowly <laughs> in terms of transfer the transformational process than our awareness or our consciousness does. Yeah. So it's p- profound because you can have a huge shift in awareness. And the truth is that if you integrate and you maintain that and you ex- you continue to go deeper at, in the direction of the leading edge of your spirit, in the direction of that breakthrough, even in the face of your physical reality that's now reflecting the you that you were before the breakthrough, then you have to hold that and your physical reality will transform. Mm -hmm. But the trap is that you can go through a ceremony or work with a coach and you have a big breakthrough and then you go back to your physical reality that is a reflection of the you before and you've got your relationships, you've got your old job, you've got all these things that are reflecting to you the you that you used to be and it becomes very easy to backslide. So the real work is to, to integrate and to continue to be the expanded version of you that comes through in these ceremonies, or if it's not with plant medicine in the work that you're doing with yourself, with a coach, with in AA meetings, with your group or with your tribe to continue to devote yourself to that leading edge expression of your spirit and know that your physical reality is going to continue to transform, to be a match to you and what you're carrying and what you're expressing and the frequency that you're embodied in because we are creating all of it. And that's the magic. That's what's powerful. Everything around us is a reflection of who it is that we are choosing to be. Yeah. I find that especially with my children. I'm I'm always in shock of what mirrors they are mm-hmm. for my uh, work. Yes. <laughs> Which has just been such a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the gift of consciousness, too, that I'm aware enough to know, mm-hmm. you know, that, oh, wait, there's there's some work that mm-hmm. needs to be done there. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you've ever, um, this is something that I was just reading. I, I'm an avid reader. I love reading about everything. <laughs> um, about Cambo. Mm, combo. Yes. Have you done it? I have. Yeah. I've done Combo three times. I actually have, uh, I'll be sitting with Combo uh, this week on mm. Thursday. I had a wild dream a few nights ago. It's interesting that you're asking me that question right now. I had a wild dream and I, I dreamt that I was pregnant with a child that was half frog. It was so wild. And I woke up and I told my partner, Oren, and and I, I was like, I I cannot make sense of this dream. I have no idea what this is. And I said, oh, maybe 
that maybe combos calling me. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's a frog. It's frog medicine. Yeah. It's the venom from a frog. And it is very good for your body. It, it um, increases the the peptides. It's it's very um, good medicine. It's a purgative. It really like cleanses your body. And it's um, very intense, a very challenging medicine. But it's, I, afterwards, it's, it's warrior medicine. It, you feel, um, my body feels stronger. My body feels more clear, more cleansed. Um, your immune system, it's a big immune system boost. So it's a, it's a powerful medicine. And, and, um, it's interesting when you start to work with some of these, uh, medicines, you actually build a relationship with them and they, you can communicate with the energy of these different plants or animal teachers that come to you in the form of dreams or um, insights or like you just tapped in with your guides. And when you really tap into the energetic of your clearing and healing your lineage in the ancestral line, you're like, oh, okay. Like, oh, I could feel there's a yes there. That could be the energy of Aya that you could start to build a relationship mm. with calling you when it's true for you. So yeah. it's interesting. But um, but yes, I have worked with Combo. Yeah. And, so from what yeah. I understand, it's not as that it's like a psychoactive experience as it is just it throws you into yeah. the purge. Yeah, there's so no, it's I'm not a psychoactive. I'm interested in it because... Um, Years and years of abuse of my body and yeah. just a, a dealing. I'm playing whack a mole with like health stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's been like years of like, okay, I'm gonna try this and then I'm gonna get on top of my epigenetics and I'm gonna do the Joe Dispenza meditations and I'm gonna mm-hmm. do all of these biohacking things and I'm gonna all of this stuff, right? And I'm gonna mm-hmm. see these energy healers and I'm gonna do Reiki and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And uh, I sat down. I've I've been trying to work on this project for so long this youtube series about um covering mental health and addiction and i sat down with this incredible healer anthony who uh uh, has a facility in the palisades where he does ceremonies amazing and he goes i think you should do combo amazing yeah i I might know him we'll talk Mm -hmm. after Uh but yeah I, i uh I said, well, what was that? And he goes, Alexis, I was so sick. I had hepatitis C. My liver was shutting down. I had all of this stuff going on. And he goes, "Um, before I started journeying into ayahuasca, I knew that I needed to purge my whole system. Yeah. I think he did something like 20 rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Anthony. He's Which a dear is brother. Yes. Fucking insane. He did. Yeah. 20 rounds. At so least. I started watching all of these videos online and I'm like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. But it's some, I mean, I'd be willing to try anything at yeah. this point. But I guess the idea is that the toxin runs through you. So what, so what it is, it's a ceremony mm-hmm. and your skin is burned mm-hmm. and then you're basically put on this paste mm-hmm. of, for anyone who's listening, of of this frog venom. It's a very small amount, mm-hmm. not enough to like kill you, but, mm-hmm. you know, enough to uh, initiate a response mm-hmm. in the body. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, it goes, it works its way through your different organs mm-hmm. and just basically pulls everything into your gut. Mm-hmm. And then the purge happens mm-hmm. and you basically barf and shit your brains out for hours. Mm. No, not for hours. It's a much shorter experience. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so it's, yes, it's like, it's a little, um, a little mark, tiny mark. So it's yeah. about like, like the size of the end of a tiny 
like the bottom of a pen. Yes. Um, and that burns a, a circle on your skin. And and to start, you know, you maybe you start with three One or four. Or, oh, yeah, like three. Burns. Okay. It, it depends. The facilitator <laughs> will feel you okay. and feel what's See what's what appropriate you for you. And then you put the venom on that burn. And the burn, what it does is it takes that first layer of skin off so that the medicine mm. can get into your system more quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what it does. It moves through your body and, and helps your body release what it needs to release in the toxins. Do you feel a scan like you do with ayahuasca? So, no. So no. it's in the experience is, is really the intensity of it. It depends on the facilitator and, and the medicine, but I would say between 20 and 30 minutes and oh, then maybe success. up to an hour of like just not feeling great. But the most intense part is like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and there's no psychoactive effect. Not really. There can be like a, li- not, not psychoactive, but you can well, feel a little bit altered. when you're for a long time, yeah. you yeah. feel like, yeah, uh, like yeah. out of it. You feel Anyways. a little bit altered. Yes. Right. Um, and it's, it's not, you, you do, I can feel like there's, there's a relating with the medicine in terms of it mm-hmm. making its way through your body. So what the scan that you're referencing is a little bit different, well, mm-hmm. a, li- a lot different between Aya and yeah. Combo, but there is a sense of, okay, this medicine is entering my system and it's going through different parts of my body and doing its work in these different mm-hmm. areas. And so you can... Once you start to work with these medicines, that surrender is the most important you thing. Let go. You tr- got to tr- let go. You got to trust the trust the medicine. Trust the medicine that it's working. And the heat, right? Mm-hmm. You get a really you feel numbness and heat in your body, right? I have felt you can get really hot or really cold. There mm-hmm. can be kind of like a wave of. Um, like a hot flash that can come on, or also a cold. And then after the experience is over, you feel like some people actually get a wave of energy and some people feel like they just really want to rest. Mm-hmm. And then my experience every time I've worked with that medicine is that the next day I just feel like super lit. Like I just feel clear, clean, ready to rock, you know? And so um, it's a good medicine. And I think that if you're mindful of anything that ha- does have a psychoactive effect, that combo is a really great option. option yeah. yeah. And to kind of just suss out, like mm-hmm. if this is something that you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that for the most part, there are those cases that I was talking about, like with um, those clients we've had that have been to rehab so many times and overdose so many times where it'd be great, like just go and do it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you need to get through a medically supervised detox and make sure, you know, all of For that sure. is important. important. But then I would say that if you're feeling called to do the medicine, I think that there's there's definitely something to be said about that. But I would encourage anybody before, you know, like I've had my sister and a lot of other people who have done this that weren't doing the work before. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. then it's just kind of like a trip. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it's like you have to integrate. You need to be in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? the intention. I think when yeah. you go into any ceremony with with any of these teachers that your intention is very clear that the devotion is present and that you're willing to surrender to the medicine which mm-hmm. and surrender to what comes forward and then be willing to in, in the commitment of really integrating what comes through in your life, which can take time. And, you know, I've been working with the different plant medicines for years and a message that came through for me um, towards the 
end of last year was really to take a break from working with the medicine. Yeah, that's for what a Anthony while. said too. Mm-hmm. So he did that for a long time. Exactly. And then because you got to let your you let your reality mm-hmm. catch up to this expansion yeah. and really like be. It in also it. told him not to consume THC anymore. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's um. I've I've heard actually a lot of people get that message, and I mm-hmm. I, I I'm very sensitive to um, THC as well, so I, I don't consume that very often at, at all. And there can be um, there there it can work well or not. I think it just depends yeah. on you and your body and what's serving you at the at the moment. Yeah. I think that um, for a lot of people, I I think that the narrative that we've received many of us for our whole lives, and this is through media and the government and our own limiting belief systems is that we're not capable of really healing, Mm -hmm. of fully healing, that we don't have that power. Mm -hmm. And even though this, you know, goes against the traditional or, uh, you know, mainstream recovery, I'm just here to say that it is possible that we are far more powerful Mm You know what I mean? Then, then we think we are. I've had to have many surgeries in mm-hmm. recovery. And it's like, why didn't I go back to becoming a heroin addict? Mm-hmm. It's like, because I've done You've the healed, work. Yeah. I mean, because I've healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not that I'm recovering. It's that I've recovered. Mm-hmm. And that's not from an ego place either. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. I don't feel... The desire, I mean, that's not to say sometimes I don't have hard days where I'm like, fuck this. I just want to check out. Last night, I was like, I've reached my max. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I can feel rage. This is my body. These are all this, the signs. You know, my husband's right now. He's in China. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm home alone with the two girls. I'm working. It's mm-hmm. stressful. They're three and six, which <laughs> is like the fucking hardest ages. And we're in the midst of it. And I'm like, I want to I need to get out of here right now. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And those feelings do come, but it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, but that's me saying I needed a break. Yeah. I needed a break hours ago. Mm -hmm. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like I needed to not pack my day full of all of the shit that I did when I'm home alone with two kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's Mm. a consciousness and awareness that comes. And so, you know, my checking out now last night, I just... I was like, I'm not, I'm just going to take, do some breath works. I did some breath work. Mm. I took a hot shower mm-hmm. and I crawled into bed and watched The Bachelor mm. and just was like, this yeah. is what I need. Is Give just yourself that. Turn it off. Mm-hmm. Turn off the brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> watch some junk <laughs> and drift off to sleep for the rest of the night. Totally. You know? And like we, we get to have that yeah. and not judge ourselves for it. That can be a trap as well because there can be, it can be like an addiction to healing, an addiction to expansion. Oh. Oh, yeah. addiction to but it. finding the balance is really hard. Totally. And so I think it's so important to be able to really give yourself a break mm-hmm. and there's, you know, to turn, to actually relax and turn off. And so often we're, we're telling ourselves that we're relaxing or we're watching a movie or whatever, but our brains are still going and we're not completely. Yeah. It's an art to do nothing. It's an art to give yourself a moment to just unplug. And that's so important, you know, and I also love what you said about, you know, like permission to claim that you're healed, you Mm -hmm. know, and permission to be like, okay, like I, I have, I've, I can trust myself. Everything is just from that specifically. Like when people are like, when did the cravings go away? I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't even know. They just went. Like when I stopped, when I realized that checking out on a regular basis Mm -hmm. was killing me. Yeah. 
I just went, oh, okay, that's not working anymore. And it was through the work and I had to do all of the things, the EMDR, the transcranial magnetic stimulation, Mm -hmm. all of these little things that have helped that I've done throughout the years. But I don't fear Mm -hmm. that I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like I keep bottles of champagne and wine in my outside garage because Mm -hmm. we have family that comes over. I host every single holiday. Not once have my husband and I gone, oh, well, let's have a glass of wine tonight. Yeah. And it's it's, like the vigilance is gone. Like the when you give yourself permission to say when it's true and authentic and real, you've done the work and you're like, okay, like I'm actually... It's almost like there's a part of you that can can have your arms up, like, okay, it's, is it real? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm here, and then eventually you arrive in a space where you're like, I can relax, like I I can trust myself. Mm. I give myself, like I I can receive that I've done this work, and, and that's I'm, what I I'm mean by AA it. being a crutch. It's like mm-hmm. when you're relying on a sponsor or any outside. I mean, the goal, the goal of AA, and I talk about this all the time. Also. The fact that Bill Wilson used Belladonna to get sober and then went on around 20 years sober to do the acid trials. I mean, and like Mm -hmm. used Mm -hmm. psychoactive Mm -hmm. shit for a long time, Mm -hmm. right? Um, With his secretary, Mm -hmm. uh, by the way. (laughs) Um, But the point is that when we're using anything outside of ourselves, like our sponsors are meant to be a guide to get us to a point of us doing our own work. Mm -hmm. Same with plant medicine. Mm -hmm. Same with the Reiki. Same with yoga. Same with meditation. All of these things are a gift and a a kind of guiding light. Mm -hmm. But if we're not surrounding ourselves with people that that are saying, you know, I get so many letters from people who I help get sober that are like, thank you, you did it. And I'm like, no, bro. You, mm-hmm. you wrote me that mm-hmm. message and said I needed help. You decided to go to treatment. You mm-hmm. took that first step into the door. You decided yes. to stay for six months. You did the work. You, 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 you. If I was a vessel in that, great. Mm-hmm. Well but said. you need to be able to reclaim that power mm-hmm. because once we do mm-hmm. access that power again, which I believe is divine God. Gaia, Earth, Universe, whatever you want to call it. That's all in us. We're not separate from Mm -hmm. that. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I talk a lot about my relationship with like Jesus, like that Christ consciousness, like that I tap into that works for me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's, it's like we need to use these things as guiding places. Yeah, I totally agree. They're guiding places that serve as catalysts for us to step into our sovereignty and our self-trust and our our knowing, our, our, yeah. our willingness to listen to our own inner knowing. And then life can become an evolutionary game mm. because we can recognize, okay, like I've I'm, I've arrived in a completion in terms of like my fear that I'm going to slip back into the past patterning in this particular framework or category of my life. But we're evolutionary beings. We're here in form to continue to grow, expand, and evolve. Otherwise, we'll stagnate and exactly. become bored, right? <laughs> so it's like life for me at this point, it's like it's a liberation game. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a liberation game. And and part the game from my perspective is that we are always being met with whether it's a positive catalyst or a negative one, a painful one with 
catalysts in our experience that are reflecting to us mm-hmm. the direction that we need to go to go deeper into the the yeah. direction of the leading edge of our spirit. So the question becomes, where are your edges at? Where in your life are there edges? Where is that? Where where are you afraid to expand? So f- when we're afraid, fear creates edges in our life. And so when we can identify where our fear-based edges are at and expand beyond them, do the thing we're afraid to do, say the thing we're afraid to say, sing the song, make the art, dance for the first time in front of people like oh my god like, I just these want are to, fucking liberation I literally have to like laugh at myself for this I I didn't want to go to this birthday party it was with <laughs> um a number of you know spiritual uh I hate the word influencers but it was Sahara Rose and a few of us oh, yeah. few, and their um, birthday uh, yeah their birthday yeah, party I, okay I was, to go to that. So I, I I show up and I only knew one of the other birthday girls. She mm-hmm. was a guest on this podcast, mm. be, on my podcast before. And uh-huh. she was like, just come. It'll be really fun. And, and, and okay. Uh-huh. So I show up, uh-huh. right? And I know nobody, um, nobody. Mm-hmm. And this is so out of my comfort zone, yes. especially well as someone who doesn't consume um, substances. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, but nobody else was drinking. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So they give us headphones mm-hmm. that, and Sahara was going to DJ. Mm-hmm. So she DJed while we all had these headphones on. So it was a silent, silent dance party. Uh-huh. I danced my fucking ass off. Yes. I did the twerk lessons. I did the, <laughs> and I had so much fun, but I was like, oh my God, I can't remember the last time that I just let myself go mm-hmm. and just didn't give a shit and about look what anything. And I had the best time. It was right? great. It was amazing. It was so much fun. We uh-huh. had a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to be doing those we moments, do those it. things that make us uncomfortable. Uh-huh. That's Absolutely. where the juice is at. Yeah. Like that's where the juice is at to see like that. That's a great example, like noticing that there was a part of you that was like, this is outside and of my comfort zone. We get imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that I know in my truth that I've done so much work and I'm like at the same level, like vibing mm-hmm. there, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, they're so much better than me. They probably meditate longer than I do every mm-hmm. day. And mm-hmm. they, you know what yeah, I mean? Like comparison. all of that ego starts totally. coming in. Of course. And I'm like, oh, and she totally didn't like me and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then mm-hmm. that person texts me later that night and was like, hey, thanks for coming. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? These are like shit that I'm making up in my head. Totally. But thank God for consciousness. Mm -hmm. I want to dive into your name change though, Mm, because I know I said that I would Mm -hmm. and we're running out of time, but I want to do that. Yeah. So, um, well, this is a great time to talk about it because that was a huge edge for me uh, to to change my name. This is something I never thought that I would do. And um, essentially, almost six years ago, I was in Ojai and a friend came up to me and said, Megan, which was my name, um, he said, "I there's a name that just came to me and I, I got the hit to share it with you. I feel like I need to share it with you. And he shared the name Zahara and everything in my body. I got chills all over. And I just, I think I literally just said yes. And at the time, I just thought that it was maybe from a past life or, or a guy yeah, or like I was like, yeah. I don't know why this name, it just feels so true for me for whatever reason, but it did not even occur to me that I would ever change my name. 
And then for the next couple of years, um, the name stayed really alive for me. I, I was, uh, went into a spiritual psychology program at USM. And part of that program, we would do different gestalt processes where you would communicate with your higher self. You'd communicate with an aspect of yourself that's connected to, to God, to source. And I would always communicate with this aspect of myself. I would call that aspect Zahara. And so I spent two years developing a relationship with my higher self as Zahara. Whenever I would be going through something or I would, I would have a conversation with this aspect of myself, and the name just really stayed alive. And then late, about a year and a half ago in a ceremony, another friend reflected to me that it feels like there's another name in the field. And I, I said, there, there is, and it's Zahara. And it just feels, continued to feel so true to the point where Zahara started feeling more true to me than the name Megan. And then the question became, why am I communicating with this aspect of myself, my higher self that's connected to God or source as this energy that's outside of me rather than fully claiming myself as her now, here, in form, right now, here. That took about a year and a half. I, I That was when I first started considering actually changing it, but I haven't taken it lightly at all because changing my name is a, a commitment, a devotion to receiving, embodying, and expressing the energy of what I feel to be my highest self, my highest expression here now. And so recently I chose to fully claim it. Friends were calling me Z, kind of a stepping stone over the last year. And finally it, it became more true to fully receive myself and claim my chosen name um, than it did not to. And I also had to go through a really deep process with the name Megan and know that Megan is my little girl. That is a huge part of me. Zahara, who I'm choosing to be, Zahara does not exist without Megan. Megan is Zahara. It's like I got to tell my little girl like, oh, by the way, you've been Zahara the whole time, you know? And it's like, you've been a superhero the whole time. And she's like, yes, you know? And so there, there was a process that I had to go through in inviting all of me to the table rather than feeling yeah. like I'm leaving any part of myself behind because that's not what it's about for me at all. It's about the evolution and just being an in integrity to who I feel like I am and the name that feels like it's the truest for me, which is Zahara. And ever since I chose to change it, I feel like my evolution has been on a, it like sped up. Um, anything that has is not a match energetically to the expression of myself as Zahara or as my higher self, any density or misbeliefs, judgments, distortions, things have come to the surface very, very quickly since I've changed the name. It's mm -hmm. been very interesting. And so I've also experienced so much synchronicity, so much magic. There's been a lot of, of growth and excitement connected to changing the name. And I just feel like more of myself. There's something very magical about claiming a, a chosen name and also claiming a chosen name that it's been a five, six year process yeah. to fully embody and feel like I'm in integrity receiving. And I offer an experience called the Liberation Dojo. And that it, the offering is an invitation to identify your fear-based edges and expand beyond them in real time. And for me, this was an edge. The edge was the fear of if I change my name, 
what will other people think? Is mm-hmm. this crazy? Like that edge really held me back from it for the last, you know, six month period. And I, I started to see that edge and I was compassionate with myself and gave myself time and eventually just became more true. And I really just had to go for it. And what it did is it, I found out who I am on the other side of that edge. I think we're in this really interesting time and I follow a lot of people who are trans or genderqueer or who don't identify with a gender necessarily Mm -hmm. or who are exploring all of these different aspects of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I see no difference in changing your name or Mm -hmm. any aspect of your body or soul or being Mm -hmm. or feelings about yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like we, 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 know authentically like who we are Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and it's like so why should outside constructs whether it be our parents or mm -hmm. whatever it might be or society Mm -hmm. tell us who we are well one one difference that I experienced is that for me like with a with a transgender person they feel like the body they were born into is actually not who their spirit yeah, is. Yeah, yours is the opposite right? experience. For me, it was yeah. the opposite. Yeah. It was actually more about the embrace of of Megan and being like, oh wow, like this is just part of the natural evolution. And mm-hmm. how do I how do I claim a new name without sort of like putting Megan to bed? Because I, yeah. I do own and and embrace all of me. And yeah. so that, and for- that that came up for my mom actually. She was like, oh, is it are you I feel like are you it was almost like a death for her. Yeah. But then when I explained to her what the process was really like for me, she was so supportive and yeah. so was the rest of my family, which was such a deep healing for me as well. And from the people in the trans community that I've spoken to who um, transition, like they have a deep love and reverence for who, mm-hmm. you That's know, so important. that they were. Yeah. And they're just becoming their real authentic Yes, yeah. and, so and I think I that's feel the really similarity important. In yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Zahara Z A H A R A Zimring Z I M R I N G, and my website is zaharazimring dot com. So cool. yeah, you can find me there. This week's affirmation is. I forgive those who have harmed me in my past and peacefully detach from them. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 